Welcome back to the channel. I'd like to talk to you a little bit today about free speech, which, as you're probably aware, is under attack in the United States and has been now for several years. I'd like to begin by sharing a quote from Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin said, Without freedom of thought, there can be no such thing as wisdom and no such thing as public liberty without freedom of speech, which is the right of every man as far as by it he does not hurt or control the right of another. And this is the only check it ought to suffer and the only bounds it ought to know. Whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing the freedom of speech. Close quote. The Dr. Reality Vodcast with Dave Champion. I'd like to draw your attention to the fact that Franklin said, whoever would overthrow the liberty of the nation must begin by subduing the freedom of speech. Whoever would overthrow. In other words, Benjamin Franklin was not limiting the discussion about the overthrow of liberty in a nation to government suppression of free speech. He's saying whoever would overthrow. I'd like to share a few more quotes with you concerning freedom of speech. Another quote by Benjamin Franklin is this. If all printers were determined not to print anything till they were sure it would offend nobody, there would be very little printed. And of course, that's one of the big issues in our country today, that there's a certain type of person who, if they are offended or bothered by something, then somebody else in their world, the way they see the world, then someone else has to shut the hell up. Someone else has to lose free speech because they don't feel good about the speech they're hearing. Another quote, if men are to be precluded from offering their sentiments on a matter which may involve the most serious and alarming consequences that can invite the consideration of mankind, reason is of no use to us. The freedom of speech may be taken away, and dumb and silent we may be led, like sheep, to the slaughter. George Washington Note that Washington was saying matters that are most serious and have alarming consequences. They should invite the consideration of mankind. And then he says, if that's not possible, if that is suppressed, reason is of no use to us. And this, it is the function of speech to free men from the bondage of irrational fears. That's Lewis Brandish, United States Supreme Court Justice to free us from irrational fears. I cannot help but think of the dialogues that were suppressed and uh, the many opinions and views of extremely well-credentialed and experienced professionals that were suppressed, that the free speech of those extremely well-credentialed and experienced professionals was suppressed. And of course, make no mistake, when the free speech of anyone, whether they're the truck driver, the mechanic down the street, the waitress, or the extremely well-credentialed and experienced professional, whenever speech is suppressed, what is really taking place 
is your ears are being suppressed. Your, your brain is being suppressed because what they're saying, but I don't want that guy's words to be heard. I don't want that guy to speak. What they're saying is that guy might be heard by a million people and I don't want those million people to hear what he has to say. And you are one of those million people. So in other words, this whole effort of suppressing free speech is really about you and making sure that you are restricted from hearing things the establishment doesn't want you to hear. That's the point that Brandis was trying to make. And this. We are so concerned to flatter the majority that we lose sight of how very often it is necessary in order to preserve freedom for the minority, let alone for the individual, to face that majority down. That was William F. Buckley Jr. How are you going to face the majority down if when you speak, the majority silences you. And again, I want to emphasize from Buckley's statement, in order to preserve freedom, we must face the majority down at times. Suppression of free speech is intended to make sure we can't do that. And this, of that freedom of thought and speech, one may say that it is the matrix, the indispensable condition of nearly every other form of freedom. That's Benjamin Cardoza, U.S. Supreme Court Justice. And by Henry Comager, U.S. historian, quote, We cannot have a society half slave and half free, nor can we have thought half slave and half free. If we create an atmosphere in which men fear to think independently, inquire fearlessly, and express themselves freely, we will, in the end, create the kind of society in which men no longer care to think independently or to inquire fearlessly. And this... The freedom of speech and the freedom of press have not been granted to the people in order that they may say things which please and which are based upon accepted thought, but the right to say the things which displease, the right to say the things which may convey the new and yet unexpected thoughts, the right to say things even though they do a wrong. Samuel Gompers, U.S. labor leader. And that last part is of particular importance, where he says, even though they do a wrong, in other words, something you say is mistaken or perhaps intentionally wrong, you're trying to mislead people, as long as it's not criminal fraud, there is no way to stop people from saying things that are wrong or mistaken without suppressing free speech generally. And the reason is, once you set up a paradigm that says someone is going to decide what can be said and what must be silenced, every evil son of a bitch on the planet will vie to have that power, that position, or to control the men and women who do. Which is pretty much what we've been at for the last handful of years. 
Oliver Wendell Holmes, U.S. Supreme Court Justice, quote, if there is any principle of the Constitution that more imperatively calls for attachment than any other, it is the principle of free thought. Not free thought for those who agree with us, but freedom for the thought that we hate. And, of course, I think it should stand to reason that um, free thought is meaningless unless that thought can be expressed to others, which brings us back to free speech. I also want to point out that Wendell Oliver Holmes said that he's speaking of a constitutional principle, not any particular clause or provision. It is a principle enshrined from the earliest times of this nation that must always be considered when viewing the Constitution. And we'll bookend these quotes with another quote from Benjamin Franklin. Freedom of speech is a principal pillar of a free government. When this support is taken away, the constitution of a free society is dissolved, and tyranny is erected on its ruins. You may have noted that not a single one of these luminaries talked about free speech being suppressed specifically or exclusively by government. They didn't say that. They spoke of the principle of free speech and how critically important that principle is to a free people, to a free nation. How critically important free speech is to personal liberty and freedom generally. Given the critical importance of free speech, does it matter who is suppressing it? You know, I'm at a complete loss to figure out how certain of my fellow citizens seem to have come to the position that it's absolutely fine to suppress free speech and hell, perhaps even eradicate it, as long as that suppression of free speech isn't done directly by government. If it's done by private entities and nobody can have free speech anymore, that's just hunky-dory with them. I totally don't get that bullshit. As you may be aware, I'm the author of Income Tax Shattering the Mist. Uh, which talks about the truth of the income tax, the fact that Congress has never imposed the income tax on the ordinary American. There is a reason, speaking of this is free speech related, there is a reason I self-publish and have since day one. And here's the reason. You may not be aware of this, but it is possible for a private company to completely suppress the message that's contained in a writing, in this case, a book. Let me explain. When I started looking into publishers, one of the things I found is this. The way uh, publishing houses work is the author signs his rights completely over to the publisher. And then the publisher has relationships with it. We're going back a little bit, perhaps even dating this uh, examination of how it works. They have relationships with the bookstores and promotional outlets and PR firms and so forth. So they have this machine they use to put the author's book out into the public domain. However, as I said, the author has to sign over 100% of the rights. The author gets paid for per copy, whatever the agreed upon rate is, but the author loses all rights to the work. The author loses all control over the work. So as I pondered that, knowing that the government would love to silence the truth about the income tax, because sooner or later, it's going to catch fire. But for whatever the reason, these issues can go along just without 
catching fire, and suddenly the message catches fire. And I have no doubt that the message that's an income tax shattering the mist, the truth that's an income tax shattering the mist, is at some point in history going to catch fire. And the government is terrified of that. So, if you don't want a book, the contents of a book and the book itself to catch fire and have millions of people read it, if you don't want that, what's the best reason, uh, what's the best method to ensure that doesn't happen? Right. Make sure the book is unavailable. So as I pondered what a publisher could do, I imagined this conversation. The head counsel for the publisher gets a call from the chief counsel's office of the IRS. So they're talking attorney to, to attorney. There's attorney-client privilege. And the attorney for the IRS or the attorney for the Treasury Department tactfully, without coming right out, and you don't want to do an overt threat, right? But tactfully makes it clear to the publisher that if the publisher continues to put income tax shattering the myths out into bookstores and other venues from which it can be acquired, if the publisher continues to do that, things are not going to go well in a future examination. In other words, the message would be whatever money you think you're going to make off of income tax shattering the miss, whatever money you in fact might make off of income tax shattering the miss, when we're done with you, the damage will be many times greater than anything you would have made off that book. Now, it'd be nice to think that a publisher would have integrity, but what are the odds, right? We don't live in a land of integrity. What we live in is a land of corporate profit. So it's very likely that the counsel for the publisher would go in and sit down with the president or the CEO and explain how the call went down and say, there's no way we can stop the IRS from doing this. They are going, if, if they conduct an examination, we can fight them for years and years and years. But in the end, we're going to spend a lot more. We're going to lose a lot more than anything we're going to get on Champions Book Income Tax Shattering the Mess. And the CEO is like very likely to say, because he's got shareholders he has to answer to, right? He can't get in a fight with government over one book. I mean, if the government wanted to suppress their business generally, that's one thing. But one book out of tens of thousands? No. That CEO is almost certainly going to say, bring that book back. And what they mean by that is <clears throat> pull it from all the stores, pull it from all the other places that we put it. So the order goes out. We sent you uh, 23 copies of Income Tax Shattering the Mist three months ago. We are now demanding all of those back. And the publishers have the right to do that. To, to tell a bookstore or other outlet, you must return those books to us. The publisher has that right because the publisher owns the rights to the book. So all the books in this scenario, all the books come back to the publisher and the publisher says, okay, we're done, closes that chapter and moves on. What recourse would I have to make sure that I can still get income tax shattering the miss out to the American people? None. Zero. Because the terms of the agreement with the publisher is that the publisher has all the rights. I only get a particular dollar value per copy sold. I no longer own the rights to that book. So when the publisher recalls every single copy, destroys them, and says, we're not going to print any more, end of story, that's it. Income tax shattering the miss could never be sold again. Could not be sold by me, and it would not be sold by them. In other words, the thought, the free thought expressed through freedom of speech in the writing of the book, and freedom of speech in your ability to read the truth about the income tax, all of that would be gone. And it would be a private company that chose to do it.
Are you really going to tell me a monumental truth, a monumental piece of government disinformation that constitutes the largest financial crime in the history of the world? It's okay that that's suppressed, that that's silenced, that that message can no longer get out because it was done by a private company. This is the same reason that I self-publish body science as well, because if this is never going to happen, just for the sake of illustration, uh, let's say there are 334 million people in the United States today, and 334 million people chose to read body science next week, and 334 million people acted on what they found, what they discovered, what they learned in body science. They chose to act on it. The result of that would be the demise of several trillion dollar enterprises. So yes, I'm unwilling to give that to a publisher so that perhaps a publisher can be blackmailed into pulling that. But again, I guess that several gigantic false narratives that I destroy in body science, those false narratives having made the American people the most chronically ill society in the history of mankind, I guess it's okay if that message doesn't get out because it's suppressed by private companies. The point of all this is, I hope you're better armed to shut down these fools who say it's not censorship, it's totally fine, it's not a big deal because it's not being done by the government. And I haven't even broached the subject, and I'm not going to in this video, broached the subject that the lion's share of the censorship that we've seen over the last several years is driven by the government. It may not actually be done by the government, it may be done by private sector companies, but it's being driven by government. But even in cases where it isn't being driven by government, we still need to value and preserve free speech, the principle of free speech, the exercise of the principle of free speech, and never for a second should we say it's okay if that principle is diminished or destroyed because it's being diminished or destroyed by private companies. Now, if you'd like to get your hands on a copy of Income Tax Shattering the Mist or Body Science, and I encourage you to get them both, uh, go over to drreality.news. Simple enough. Click on store, grab the books, put them in the cart. By the way, I'm running a little special right now. If when you're checking out, you enter in the coupon code field, tax honesty, all one word, tax honesty, I will personally autograph and inscribe your copy of Income Tax Shattering the Mist and or Body Science. All you have to do is put tax honesty in the coupon field. We're good to go. And that helps me to continue to be here for you with these sort of presentations. Thanks.